Well, good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Church, where we believe that faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all humanity. So today marks the second week in our summer series titled Voices and Vision. We are honored to have the Reverend Dr. Todd Chaffee with us this morning. Todd is an ordained minister as well as a professor at Calvin University. He's also the director of Calvin's prison ministry, prison initiative, right? Initiative, okay. Let's make sure we get that right. Todd has preached here at Mayflower before, so we just have to say welcome back. We're thrilled you're here. I am Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and together with our choir director and cantor, Scott Bosher, and our guest organist and friend, Carol McNally, we are just thrilled to be leading worship this morning. We owe a debt of gratitude to Pat McGuire, who makes our worship services available for those of you online. Whether you are out there somewhere in the world or here in the sanctuary, we're so happy to be worshiping God together this morning. So if you find the friendship register, if you're on the aisle, please sign it and pass it to those who are worshiping with you in your pew. As you may have noticed, Julia Brown is on vacation this week, but the music does not stop here at Mayflower. So with a word about today's music, please welcome Scott Basher. Good morning. You may have noticed on this Father's Day Sunday that the start of our service, both with the organ introit as well as uh, our our introit, sung introit, um, we are picking up on the theme of God as Father and honoring him and speaking of him as such. Uh, The hymn, Of the Father's Love Begotten, which is our introit hymn, probably one of the most ancient of all of the hymns in our church hymnal, uh, was written sometime in the 4th century. Later in the service, when we come to our anthem, um, we pick up on another side of God, God as shepherd, um, who guides and protects and steers us, and whose fierce love will never let us get lost and never lets us go. The music is by Johann Sebastian Bach, and it's one of his more famous melodies. I think everyone will immediately recognize um, the, the tune when you hear it. Thank you, Scott. In outreach news, we mentioned last week that there is an opportunity to serve New City kids in anticipation of their summer concert on Thursday. If you would like more information or to get involved, please contact Rachel Cooley, sitting in the front row, or you can check our website. Also to note, our friends at Sudanese Grace are looking for someone who has a reliable car to either gift or donate to someone in need in their congregation. So if you are able to help with that, you can come see me after church. We want to extend a very happy Father's Day to all the fathers this morning. If you're celebrating with family and joy has filled your heart, we rejoice with you. But if this is a hard day for you as a father or a child, we grieve with you and we pray that the loving arms of God the Father encircle you this morning and always. We have two funerals coming up this week to make you aware of. Our Mayflower member, David Smith's brother, Jonathan, passed away, and we will have a funeral for him Saturday at 1 o'clock. And for those of you planning on attending Jackie Sawyer's funeral, that will be here in the sanctuary next Sunday at 1.30. We also just please pray for Anne Marie Church. Many of you know Anne Marie. Her brother passed away suddenly, and she is in California with her family now. So now, let us begin our time of worship. Worshiping God, the Father of love evermore. 
The Alpha and Omega, the never-ending source of love. Heights of heaven adore him. Powers and dominions bow before him. May we this morning bring honor, glory, and eternal praise to our God of great love. Come, let us worship.
If you have your bulletin, we're going to pray the opening prayer together in unison. Holy God, morning has broken and we praise you. Let our hearts be full of praise as we seek you this day. Be with us as our guide through worship and lead us to a deeper understanding of your love and care for us. Amen. The reading this morning is taken from Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. The word of the Lord.
The NIV translation of the Bible provides a subtitle for the story that you just heard. It's the same translation that I believe is there in the pew for you. The subtitle is Jesus Calms the Sea. But you know, I think an equally suitable subtitle could be The Boat Ride from Hell. It's a common story. It's a common story according to the first subtitle. And if we go with that subtitle, it's probably the story we heard first in Sunday school. Jesus and his disciples get in a boat. They set sail for the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A huge storm comes out of nowhere. The disciples are terrified. And Jesus is asleep below deck. They wake Jesus and ask whether he even cares about them. But Jesus calms the sea and asks, why why were you so afraid? Wondering out loud if they even have faith. The disciples are bewildered and can only manage to ask, who is this? That even the wind and the sea and the waves obey him. The point of the story seems straightforward. If Jesus is with you, no need to be afraid. No matter the storms of life, have faith. The disciples didn't, but don't be like them. It's a common story. We've heard it. And the story actually does make sense given the first three chapters of Mark's gospel. Early on, the disciples watched Jesus teach in the synagogues, And Mark says, with authority. They saw Jesus cast out an unclean spirit from a man. Cure a woman's sickness just by taking her hand. He heals a leper, a paralytic, a man with a withered hand. And even gets to the point that people take scores of men and women who are ill and diseased and demon-possessed. And Jesus heals them all. And the disciples saw it. And then there's the teachings of Jesus. He infused new life into the law and even declared the forgiveness of sin. He told compelling parables about faith in the kingdom of God. For instance, every farmer knows to sow seed on good soil. So like a good farmer Sow your faith on the right thing, Jesus Christ. The disciples heard it all. But the storm was too much. And their faith apparently was thrown overboard. Somehow Jesus' miracles and healings and teachings were washed away that night on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples had to start all over. Who then is this? That's the first subtitle. Jesus calms the storm. Now there's the other subtitle. The boat ride from hell. This one wasn't told in Sunday school. In fact, I'll bet you never heard this version. This version relies not so much on what's obvious about the story, but on what's surprising, even mysterious. Jesus was teaching and healing, and the crowds were large. 
The day was long, and it was finally evening. But instead of calling it a day, Jesus decides to take a boat with his disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, many of these disciples were fishermen, and they knew the dangers of sailing at night, especially on the Sea of Galilee, which was known for its sudden and violent storms. Why not wait till morning? And why did Jesus even want to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee anyway? That was Gentile territory. It's unclean. That's no place for a good Jew. But they set sail. And sure enough, a storm arose. But not any storm. A megas storm in the original Greek. A great and mighty storm. In no time, the boat was filling with water. The fishermen knew what they were up against, and they knew the boat could easily sink. No wonder they panicked and looked for Jesus. But he was asleep on a cushion, says Mark. Asleep on a cushion in the middle of a storm? So the disciples wake him up. He rubs the sleep out of his eyes. And they say, don't you know what's going on here? Do you not know we're in this megas storm? Do you not care if we die? No response. Instead, Jesus turns to the storm and rebukes the wind and tells the sea, peace, be still. And then there was a great and mighty, a megas, calm. And with that, Jesus asks the disciples two questions, which frankly don't seem to follow the events. Why are you afraid? And have you no faith? Who wouldn't be afraid? Sailing at night on the Sea of Galilee? Who wouldn't lose faith in someone who sleeps in the midst of a crisis? Some boat ride. Now, you know, and you can imagine, there's more going on in this story. There's more going on than simply Jesus calms the sea. Let's start over. Let's just start the whole thing over. In fact, let's start over from the beginning. We first encountered Jesus in Mark's gospel when he is baptized by John the Baptist. And as John is baptizing Jesus, Mark says that the heavens open and the Spirit of God descends upon him. Who's this? From there, Jesus is tempted by Satan, no less, the A-team of tempters, but to no avail. Who is this to put Satan in his place? From there he preaches the gospel of God, says Mark, amazing those around him, and declares the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Who is this? Who is this to declare that time is fulfilled, that the kingdom of God is upon us? It's no surprise that the disciples have a hard time getting it. 
Do you know who are the ones who get it in the first several chapters of Mark's Gospel? The demons. In chapter 1, after Jesus casts out an unclean spirit from a man, the demons cry out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so it is. Jesus is the Holy One of God, the Son of God. And he has come to destroy them, to destroy sin and evil and usher in the kingdom of God. In Mark's gospel, the story of Jesus is nothing short of cosmic. Heaven, this world, Satan, demons, the kingdom of God, sin, repentance, forgiveness, death, and life. It is, as we would say, apocalyptic. Mark's story is about the end. The fulfillment of time itself. When Jesus will destroy evil and God will put things right. That's the story being told there in the boat in the dark of night on the Sea of Galilee. Did you hear it? When Jesus rebukes the wind and silences the sea, the words he uses, rebukes and silences, are the same ones he uses to cast out demons. He doesn't just calm demons or the sea. He overpowers them. He controls them. He exerts his lordship. It's just as God had authority and power over the primeval chaos at the creation, so too Jesus has authority and power over those forces that can destroy. There in the boat, the disciples don't realize it, but Jesus is confronting a world disordered by sin and evil. And he is rebuking and bringing under control all that threatens the kingdom of God and those who dwell therein. The disciples are are getting a glimpse of this cosmic battle and a glimpse of Jesus' victory. And of course, who Jesus is and, and his lordship and this victory, why it knows no boundaries, no wonder they were going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is going to reach all the ends of the earth. Of course he's going to Gentile territory. The good news knows no boundaries. It's interesting. Quickly, in these four chapters of Mark's Gospel, we most clearly see who Jesus is And what he's doing in the world in this surprising, mysterious, chaotic, even threatening places and times in our lives. And in those times and places, we not only discover who Jesus is and what he's doing, but we discover who we are. 
It's more than just having a white-knuckled grip on the side of a boat and waiting for Jesus to calm things down. It is believing wholeheartedly that as Jesus' disciples, we are caught up in a cosmic drama, one that started with creation and will end at the final trump of Jesus' victory. We are caught up in that history while stormy, that history that will come out just right as God has planned. That's a lot to take in, especially in the middle of the night on a boat in a storm. But if this is true, then there is no storm that Jesus cannot rebuke or silence. We will not escape the storms of life. We know that. But we can bear them, knowing that somehow, some way, mysterious though they be, Jesus has not forgotten about us, as he has not forgotten about this world. Satan is no match. The demons are no match. Disease, sickness, or death is no match. Not even death on a cross. Powerful is this story. So powerful that in the early church, one of the more important symbols they created is that of a little boat on a turbulent sea with a mast in the shape of a cross. The early Christians saw themselves as gathered together weathering the storms of this world with Jesus Christ steering them into God's future. That symbol stuck. And it's become an ecumenical symbol of the church used by Christians around the world for centuries. That's a good symbol for us today. Whether you are weathering personal storms whether this church is weathering a storm, whether we look at the world around us and see nothing but storms, we are called to believe that Jesus is in control. It's mysterious at times, no doubt. But the outcome is clear. Perhaps the Apostle Paul put it best in Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
scripture tells us that it's better to give than to receive, or more blessed to do so. We have been blessed, and now it's our opportunity and privilege to bless others. So the ushers will come forward to receive our offering.
We dedicate these gifts, tithes, and offerings to you, O holy God. Do with them what you will. May they bring you honor, glory, and praise. Amen. You may be seated. So now is the time for the congregational prayer. And so I'm coming down to the congregation. (laughs) I'd like to know if anyone has a special praise or prayer request this morning that they'd like to include in the prayers. Yeah, Jan. So wonderful. A hundred, a ninety-five. Okay, 95th birthday for a very special father and grandfather. And you could all be together. That's wonderful. Thank you, Jan. That's so great. Anyone else have a praise or prayer request they'd like to mention? I'm not going to put you on the spot as I hover over you, but if you have one. Oh, hi, Rachel. Rachel would like prayers for her sister's health, and your sister's name is Lindsay. Okay, we will definitely pray for Lindsay. Anything else? Okay, thank you. Well, let us join our hearts together for our congregational prayer. Holy Cosmic God, You said to the waters, peace, be still. So we come to you this morning, riding the waves of life and seeking the peace that comes from you. We give you honor, glory, and praise for a very special 95th birthday. For a father and grandfather that could be with his daughter and son-in-law and grandsons and children. And what a joy. What an absolute joy. We thank you for Don and Ann Kelly and their 65 years of marriage. We thank you for celebrations like birthdays and anniversaries and new jobs and all of the wonderful things that so many of us have encountered this last week. We also have many prayer requests, some that have been verbalized and others that lay deep in our hearts that only you see. We pray for those who suffer. May you fill them with hope today. And remind them that there is no storm Jesus cannot rebuke and silence. We pray for Anne Marie Church, for Deb Larson, for Marilyn Emery and others who recently lost siblings. May they find comfort in you and be surrounded by family in these difficult days. And we pray for those who are struggling with health concerns. Oh, there are so many, Lord, in our congregation who need your healing hand. We pray for your divine intervention in their physical bodies. We lift up Rachel's sister, Lindsay. We pray for you to just pour out your healing, your mercy, your provision on her life and her body. We pray for Lori Wood Lyons. Continue to please bring her health, Lord. She has struggled so. And Lord, we acknowledge that today is Father's Day and a day of great joy for many who are fathers or those who have earthly fathers that mirror your great love and provision. Oh, we praise you for this. But we also know for others this day is particularly painful. 
whether it is an absence of children, broken relationships, or fathers who have disappointed. Lord, we pray this morning that your fatherly presence brings a unique peace upon those who struggle. As we pray for ourselves and each other, let us also lift up this church to you. In this season of transition and uncertainty, we know that you love us and that you love your church. We pray for the next leaders and for the direction and vision of this place. May you be the driving force to propel Mayflower forward. We also pray for our community and our country. As we mark Juneteenth for the first time officially, we pray for the racial healing of our troubled past. We pray that our nation will come together in unity and care for one another. We pray truly for the honor and dignity of all God's children. And we pray for our world. We pray that we can be good neighbors to all, near and far. May the peace of Christ reign. We are so glad that you know us and you hold us and you sustain us. And it is in this knowledge and assurance that we pray together the prayer Jesus taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.